Amen. I'm turning your attention this morning, if you will, uh, to the gospel according to John, the second chapter. The gospel according to John and the second chapter. I'm really excited about the uh, new uh, uh, venture of Tithely app. We're excited about this, looking forward to what the Lord is going to be doing. We're we're just going to put ourselves out as much as we can and let people know, hey, there is a balm in Gilead. Jesus is being lifted high in Montgomery, Ohio, and uh, you can download it on your phone, hallelujah, and know what's going on. Thank the Lord. From the book of John in the second chapter, I want to begin reading from the first verse. This is the first miracle of Jesus. This is the first miracle of Jesus. And I want to just take a look at it this morning. Uh, The Lord just laid it in my heart to preach today. And I believe that his word will edify us. John chapter 2, verse 1. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, And knew not whence it was. But the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom. Saith unto him, every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. And manifested forth his glory And his disciples believed on him. By the help of the Holy Ghost, uh, this morning I would like to share with you the word of the Lord. On this subject, the first of many miracles. The first of many miracles. Hallelujah. Can we go to the Lord together? God, we love you and praise you and thank you for your word this morning. We are completely dependent upon your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Without your word, Lord, we have nothing. Lord, without your word, we literally have nothing. It is your word that has created all things around us by which we rely and upon which we rely. And I pray today that that your word would come to us as a quickening power. Stir our souls and stir our hearts. Hallelujah. Stir our minds. I pray for an anointing to rest upon me as I preach your word, Lord. I can do nothing without your anointing. And I ask humbly for the anointing of God to be upon me, Lord, the favor of God to rest on me as I preach your word. Let us hear it. Let us receive it. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated this morning in the name of the Lord. There's something so special about a wedding day. 
And uh, if you were blessed to be able to have a, a day of uh, wedded bliss and, and have people to come celebrate you, then you know what I'm talking about. And uh, it's just a special day, and, and people come from far and near to uh, celebrate with you and to tell you that their blessing is upon you, their blessing is with you. And uh, it's just a wonderful day. Um, and I, I remember people telling me as our wedding day approached that uh, you won't even remember who's at your wedding because there's really only one person who matters to you at that wedding. And that is, of course, the person to whom you are uh, being married. And, uh, and it's a, a glorious and a grand occasion. There's a lot of excitement. There's songs Beautiful songs, love songs. Romance is in the air. And, uh, and it's just a, a wonderful time. And, and, and you see as a groom, your job, groom, gentlemen, is just to go. That's your job, just to go and do as you were told. That's, that's your uh, job description at the wedding. And, uh, and don't argue and don't fuss and don't, and don't offer your suggestions too much. You have to offer them a little bit because, you know, you do care and you need to show that you care. But, but be prepared for uh, how those suggestions will be received and be happy with how those suggestions are received. And it is just a, it's a wonderful day. And, and you, you're gathered together. Uh, the preacher says, dearly beloved, we are gathered together here by uh, these witnesses. And that's what people have come to do. They have come to witness the ceremony of one man being joined to one woman in holy matrimony, and it is a union of divine order. It is something that reflects the very nature of God himself. And the husband is to love his bride as Christ loved the church, and the bride is to uh, submit to the husband as unto the Lord, and then the man is to submit unto her in love, and there's a mutual submission that occurs, and it typifies, and it, it actually, it actually uh, exemplifies the very nature of God. You see his, his power and his grace on display in a godly marriage. And what does it do? It produces strong families, and it, it produces strong homes, and strong communities, and strong nations, and it's just an amazing experience, and there's something beautiful about coming together and, and, and people having accepted your invitation and arriving there and, uh, and celebrating with you. They're there to celebrate you and, and this person that you are marrying and uh, as a couple, and, and it's something very unique about seeing people who you normally don't see together. Uh, you see... Uh, one side of the family with the other side of the family. And you see friends from work meeting with friends from uh, grade school. And, and you, have, you have a bridal party that is, uh, reflects all various parts of your life. And, and they're just all there for you to celebrate you. And it's, it's, it's exciting. There's an elation that comes from that. And, um, and those who have been married a while know that that is... A very exhilarating moment, but it's a little fairy tale ish. And you need to understand that when the lights fade and when the last rice falls, life begins. 
and it doesn't have a soundtrack like every other part of your wedding had. You don't have the crooners in the background singing about, I don't know, three coins and a fountain, what, you know, when a man loves a woman and all this. So you don't have all that going on in the background of your life. You, it's real life. It's real life. But enjoy that moment. Enjoy the moment. And don't anybody ruin it for the bride and the groom. Just clap and be happy for them and, and, and enjoy that moment with them because they're, they're, this is their one opportunity to experience this this uh, fairy tale, if you please. And, and so it's an important time where it gets you off to a good start, but, but it, is, it is a start. That's what it is. It's a start. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it's very important that you, that you recognize that, that, that there's going to be a real life that follows thereafter. I remember when we were, were on our honeymoon and and we were just, you know, living in this fairy tale. And I remember making the statement, and, and I'll never forget making this statement because I've tried to, to pull it back so many times. And once you say something, it's just out there in the ethos, you know. And I, I, this is what I said. I said, this is great. This is awesome. This is wonderful. But I can't wait for real life to begin. <laughs> you know, where we're paying bills together. Are you kidding me? You're going to have that for the rest of your life. Enjoy this moment because there does come a time when you get back on the plane and you fly back home and real life does begin. And real life, ladies and gentlemen, comes with a lot of uh, tossing and turning and comes with a lot of uh, challenges. And it does for every individual and it does for every couple. You don't have to give up, give out, give in when you face challenges. Just, just keep on that narrow road. Hallelujah. But, but there is a point at which the honeymoon will, will give way to the actual execution of life and the application of this love that you have for one another. And, and it is going to be an amazing a process, but but some people are are throttled by the fact that the that the that the uh, euphoric experience of that wedding gives way to a more realistic approach to life. Somebody coined the phrase "the honeymoon is over." That's what they they say, and they say that about everything, not just about an actual honeymoon. They say that I read recently an article about. Uh, Jim Harbaugh coaching Michigan and said the honeymoon is over and uh, and what they meant by that was he has been celebrated as a coach but the winning hasn't come as they had hoped it would I think he lost to Ohio State for the second time in two years and and he's just a, folks are about to tar and feather him and send him out of it's a vicious rivalry I preached in Michigan Shortly after I came to Cincinnati and, and the pastor got up to introduce me and he said, you know, we had a hard enough time inviting this guy when he was a Hoosier. Now he's gone and become a Buckeye. Almost had to cancel this meeting. I said, okay, well, we'll try to deliver the word of the Lord. But, but <laughs> folks, the honeymoon... Is about over for Coach Harbaugh, and and what they're talking about is is that 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 euphoric feeling that everybody had of bringing in a Hall of Fame coach, 
and bringing in this, this star-studded cast. And the elation was high. The jubilance was high. And, and then all of a sudden, it, it changes when, when struggles begin and when challenges arise. And that's going to happen in your It'll happen in your marriage. Challenges will arise. And that'll happen in your relationships with people. Every relationship has a honeymoon phase. And that is the beginning part of the relationship. It can be any relationship, any friend that you meet. You know, person that you really click with. And, and they're your buddy. They're your pal. They're your friend. And you're, what that is, that's like a honeymoon phase. But in every relationship, there's going to be a conflict phase. And that's going to follow that original honeymoon phase. And if the relationship's going to go deep, it's going to reach a conflict phase. It's just going to because, because the honeymoon is, again, it's fairy tale ish it's, it's good. It's great. But, but it gives way to application of principle. And that's where personalities get involved and human dynamics emerge and, and people begin to to really express themselves and, and begin to open themselves. And when they do that, you really get to know the individual, the person, and that's where conflict starts. But that's not the end of a good relationship. A good relationship will survive conflict and make it to the conflict resolution stage. It, go there, ladies and gentlemen. It's worth going there. It's, there's there's beauty in resolution. There's power in resolution. It's one of the most satisfying experiences a human being can have to resolve conflict and come to a point of forgiving, come to a point of, of surrendering and submitting and loving in spite of one another's flaws. It's really easy to love somebody when you don't know their flaws. And in fact, if you love them without knowing their flaws, you really don't love them. You think you love them. It's once the flaws begin to emerge and you choose to love them in spite of the flaws that you're really loving that person. Because what you did love was you loved that individual for who you thought they were, who you wanted them to be, and who you hoped they would be. Then the flaws start emerging, and now you've got a choice. Do I really love this person like I thought I loved this person? And so, and so then you have to make that choice. Make that choice. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. Love one another even as Christ has loved you. Go ahead and forbear one another in love. Forgive one another. Be ye kind one to another. Hallelujah. I don't expect anybody to shout, but, but, but in Jesus' name, it's something we better get in our soul that we love one another. Real love. I'm not talking about Hollywood love. I'm talking about real love. I'm not talking about I love you till I get tired of you and then move on to the next person kind of love. I'm talking about real love. Love through the conflict. Love through the honeymoon. Love through the conflict. And love into that glorious place called resolution. Hallelujah. And, and so weddings are this really remarkable demonstration of how a life of love can begin but, but, but you have to love beyond the wedding. And you have to love beyond 
the marriage uh, initiation. And you have to move into a love that lasts for a lifetime. Hallelujah. There's commitment involved in loving for a lifetime. And there is choices that are made that, that say, I'm going to love regardless of what may come my way. That's love that lasts for a lifetime. And so Jesus was at a wedding. This was his, his first uh, miracle that took place. And, uh, and while he's at this wedding, you know, he's probably like everybody else who's at a wedding. He's probably thinking, you know, this is beautiful and this is wonderful and these two make such a great couple and, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm happy for them. I'm not going to give them any foreboding words. I'm just going to clap and throw rice and, and drink punch and, and eat cake and tell everybody, you know, that I'm glad to see them when I see them. And, and uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of this wedding, his mother comes to him and says to him, Jesus, they have no wine. They have been taking this wedding now to some period of time, and, and they have run out of wine. Now, before I go any further, I want to just say that this story in the Bible is not a biblical endorsement of alcohol. All right? Somebody said amen. It's not a biblical endorsement of alcohol. Number one, we know Jesus was not an alcohol drinker because he was a Nazarite. And as such, he took a Nazarite vow and he did not drink alcohol. We also know that this was a Jewish wedding, which means that it was kosher wine. And that means that, 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 that it was heated to a particular degree of temperature that would have removed all of the fermentation and opportunity for fermentation. As a matter of fact, Kosher wines are many times uh, considered to be less than enjoyable because they, they don't have fermentation and they don't have uh, a great taste. And some say that it was purposefully done that way as to delineate between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Gentiles will never want this stuff. That's what some say. And so, so it, was a, it was a different kind of, of wine. Some people read this and think, oh, they had wine at the wedding. And they'd go run down to the liquor store. No, 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 no. You've got to, you got to keep it biblical now. You've got to keep it biblical. This is not a biblical endorsement for alcohol. Jesus wasn't making sure everybody, you know, all rounds on me. That's not what was happening here. That's not what was happening here. This was Jesus we're talking about. It's not a, not a, he's not a fake Messiah. He's not, he's not some kind of a Hollywood playboy. That's not what he was. He wasn't partying it up. Hey, he had meat that people know not of. He didn't need some kind of an artificial introduction into his body that would give him some kind of a temporary earthly high. Hallelujah. His joy came from the presence of the Lord. His peace came from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so this, this experience is such that, that they had they had wine that was kosher, and this was grapes that was, that was prepared to be a particular drink that was, in fact, called wine in John chapter 2. And the Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to him and said, Jesus, they have run out of wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what have I to do with thee? 
Mine hour is not yet come. She said, you don't understand. She said, this, this wedding has been beautiful. Things have been good. Things have been right. And the bride has been happy. And the groom has been excited. And the families have been getting along. And the friends and the neighbors have come in to celebrate. And it's a, a wonderful occasion. It's an enjoyable occasion. Things have been going well. And, and yet in the middle of things going well, there has been a depletion of something. They've run out of something. They've run out of wine. Now this morning there are people sitting in this place under the sound of my voice who know what it's like for things to be going good and then to run out. You know what it's like for life to be going the way you want life to be going and then all of a sudden you realize that you're running on fumes. You've run out of what it was that you had banked on, that you had counted on, that you thought was going to be there for the long term, the long haul. But she said they've run out of wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Her response to that was that she ran over to the servants and said, whatsoever he says unto you to do, do it. Now, folks, this is our attitude, and this is how our attitude needs to be. There are moments in life, and there are moments in walking with God where we have an elation experience, an encounter with God, and we feel good about that encounter with God. We enjoy this message of His truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest message that has ever been preached that has ever been told. And I want you to know that it is the only message there is to preach. Somebody said, what are you going to preach this morning? And, and, and the response to that is simple, it, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we can approach it a number of different ways. We can approach it through the, from the story of David or from the story of Daniel or from the story of Moses. We can approach it from the story of Jesus turning water into wine. We can approach it a number of different ways. But when we get done preaching, we better have preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And when I say the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me be clear. We're talking about the life of Jesus Christ. And we're talking about the suffering of Jesus Christ. And we're talking about the death of Jesus Christ. The burial of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Him showing himself alive by many infallible proofs. Him ascending on high. Pouring out the Holy Ghost. Coming again. Hallelujah. To bring his bride home. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ and it saves to the uttermost. I said it saves to the uttermost. If you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it has the power to break every chain that is wrapped around your soul. Hallelujah. You can believe whatever good news you want to believe, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is the real good news. Hallelujah. The good news outweighs the bad news. I don't have bad news and good news for you this morning. Which one do you want first? I just have good news. 
Hallelujah. I got good news. I said, I got good news. Now, if you want bad news, go log on to Twitter. If you want bad news, go get on Facebook. If you want bad news, go ingest everything that is constantly pumping you full of what's wrong and what's bad and what's going to be bad. But if you want the good news, come to church and hear that Jesus saves. I said Jesus saves. Hallelujah. That message will get inside of people's spirits. That message will get down in the soul. And it will, it will create a power. A whirling power. Hallelujah. And it will bring love into the air. And it will bring peace into their lives. And it will bring peace into their homes. And it will bring peace into their minds. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. I will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on me. Hallelujah. That's why I keep my mind on Jesus. I keep my mind on the cross of Jesus. I keep my mind on the fact that he saved me and he sought me and he bought me and he made me whole. And when I dwell on that, he keeps me in perfect peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, that's, and there's a, there is an elation. I, we've seen people come into the, into the body of Christ, into the church of the living God, and there's something so, so liberating about the gospel of Jesus Christ that they can't help but shout for joy. There's something so liberating about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good that they can't help but dance for joy. There's something so beautiful, so wonderful about seeing the Lord high and lifted up and his train filling the temple. Hallelujah, that they leap for joy. And it's a beautiful thing and it's a wonderful thing and it's an exciting thing. And don't come walking up to somebody like that and saying, oh, you just hang out here a little while. You'll calm down. You hang out here a little while. The road will get rough. Hallelujah, the days will get long. You're in the honeymoon phase. But one day that honeymoon phase is going to be over and real life is going to set in. You know, ladies and gentlemen, with Jesus, you can just continue in this state, in this constant state of adoration, in this constant state of, of overjoyed at his wonderful peace and his perfect love and his boundless power. You can stay in an extended and suspended state of affection for the Lord. And yet, so many times, we let the world kind of come in on us. We start thinking thoughts we used to think. It's the body of this death. As long as we've got, Paul called it the body of this death. As long as we've got this flesh and blood and bone. It's a corruptible thing. It's, it's, it's actually, I don't mean to be depressing, but it's in the process of dying right now. Every last one of us, we're closer to dying. I'm going to depress everybody. You ready for this? You're closer to the grave today than you were yesterday. Closer to the grave tomorrow than you were the day before. That's the nature of this body. This body is corruptible. Thank God that when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, we shall be changed. Thank God. We ought to shout about that every day. And we better never fall in love with this world because this world is full of the death we're trying to escape. <laughs> 
when we start thinking in terms of, of, how, of, of how the world would think and how we used to think, and we, we, we have a term for it. We call it backsliding. And it's, we were running the race with patience, the race that was set before us, and we were making good progress, and then we started to think wrong, and we started to dwell on things that, that we shouldn't dwell on, and we started to hear gossip, and we started to entertain resentful feelings, and somebody hurt us. That's a biggie. Somebody wounded us, and that wound inflicted us and kind of threw us off our track a little bit and we start like backsliding like the, like the moonwalk we're just going backward it looks like we're walking forward but we're not making progress we're going backward backsliding and, and, and something begins to happen and Mary walks to Jesus and says look I know this has been great and I know this celebration has been lovely and I know there's love in the air and we got, we got love songs and praise songs and everything sounds good and everything looks good but we run out of something very important we run out of that ingredient and we need a refreshing and we need a restoration and we need a replenishing we need and I'm going to tell you she knew where to go when she needed something I said she knew where to go when she needed something and I wonder if there's somebody in the house of God this morning who knows where to go Where do I go when there's no one else to go to? Where do I turn when there's no one else to turn to? Who do I lead on when I'm in need of a refuge? I go to the rock. I know he's able. I go to the rock. I go to the rock. is the rock of my salvation I go to the stone that the builders rejected I run to the mountain and the mountain says stand by me when the earth all around me when the earth all around me when the earth all around me is sinking sand on Christ the solid rock I stand when I need a shelter when I need a friend when I need a shelter when I need a friend, when I need a shelter, I said, when I need a shelter, hallelujah, does somebody believe it this morning? When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go. I go. I go. I run. I crawl if I have to. I run. I said, I run. I go. I go to the rock. I know he's able. I don't know when it happened. I don't know when it happened. But I ran out.
I don't know, I don't know what song they were singing, but but I, I went I went to dip my cup down into the well and there was nothing in there. I, I don't I don't know when it when it happened, I don't know what was going on. I thought I was doing okay. Yeah, I've been through trials and troubles. Yes, I've been through problems and challenges. But I thought everything was fine. And then I went down to dip down into that reservoir. There's nothing in there. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. God has so many plans for you. And I come against every lie the devil has ever told you. I said, I come against every lie the devil has told you in the name of Jesus Christ. He has concentrated your attention on your pain, on your burdens, on your troubles, and on your trials. He's making you bitter. His goal is to make you bitter. The Bible said to watch out lest the root of bitterness get inside of you. And bitterness will defile many. I don't care. Listen, it doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen, how good you are, how great you are, how talented you are, how anointed you are. If you let bitterness get inside of you, bitterness will defile you. And you've been concentrating on that. People celebrating all around you, throwing rice, waving palm leaves, dancing, giving God the praise. There's a wedding going on. Folks, there's a marriage supper of the Lamb about to happen. And we're enjoying the courtship of God as the bride of Christ. And, and you can't even enjoy it because you're over here letting the devil drain from you. Everything that you've ever held dear, everything that you believed, everything that you wanted from God, it's just draining. You don't even know. It's a slow drain. And you won't know until you try to dip down in there and there's nothing there. Jesus. They need wine. Jesus. They need wine. Listen, God has many things for you to do. See, Jesus, there are so many things that are getting ready to happen in your life. Oh, I wish I could take a little while and preach to you about a woman with an issue of blood who for 12 years went looking to physicians for help, but to no avail. She crawled through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment. And in that moment of touching the hem of his garment, virtue flowed from his body into her body. And what the physicians couldn't do in 12 years, hallelujah, I said what the physicians couldn't do in 12 years, the Lord healed in a moment. I wish I could preach to you about the fact that he went to Jairus' house, walked in because the little girl who was sick was now dead, and everybody laughed him to scorn because he said, she's not dead, she's asleep. And while he stood in there, he said to those who were laughing, go ahead and leave because your faith, your lack of faith needs to go. And he looked at that little girl. He said, Talitha Kumai, maid, arise. And he brought that 12-year-old girl up out of her dead condition and caused her to live again I wish I could preach to somebody about five loaves and two fishes I wish I could preach to somebody about Lazarus come forth I wish I could preach to somebody oh my God have mercy 
I know I'm restrained by time, but I wish I could preach to somebody about a demoniac who had the devils driven out of him. I wish I could preach. Those were the miracles awaiting Jesus. But before any of those miracles could happen, he had to experience the first miracle. You're never going to see all that God wants to do in your life until you have a restoration, until you have a replenishing, until you have a rejuvenation. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Trials and tribulations are necessary. They are. They're necessary. They take from you the things that will take you to hell. They rob you of those things, and you need those things gone. They take your pride from you. They take your greed from you. They remove envy from you. They'll strip you of lusts of the flesh and lusts of the eyes and and the pride of life. They'll, They'll tear down strongholds of arrogance and ignorance. That's what trials and tribulations will do. But be careful. Because there are some things that God wants you to have that are virtuous, that are good, that are holy, that are right, that are faith-filled. Be careful you don't lose those. You've got to hold on to God's unchanging hand. As you're going through a trial or a tribulation, you have to hold on to God's unchanging hand. Because when you come out of that trial, you're likely to be missing some stuff that you know you need for the journey ahead. Where'd my faith go? Where'd my faith go? Where'd my peace go? I used to have peace. Where'd the peace go? I used to have joy. You know what I love about the word joy? It's got the name of God in it. J-O. My name means Jehovah is God, Joel. I love my name because it has the name of God in it twice. Jehovah is God. And, 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 and the word Joseph and Jehoshaphat and, and, and Daniel and Elijah and Elisha and Samuel and on and on the scriptures have the name of God in it. That word joy, that J-O, it has the name of God wrapped up inside that name. That joy that I'm talking about, it doesn't come from anything in this world. You can't have an elaborate wedding enough that you'll have joy in your marriage. You can't listen. You can't find joy in a party. You can't find joy in a relationship of this earth. You can only have joy in your relationship with God. While the trial is stripping you of your pride, don't let it strip you of your peace. While the trial is stripping you of your arrogance, don't let it strip you of your joy. Because God has stuff he wants to do through you. God has Lazaruses he wants to raise from the dead. God has blind men he wants to open their eyes. God has deaf men he wants to open their ears. God has multitudes he wants to feed. But before any of that can happen, you've got to restore that wine. Jesus, they have no wine. And we rest on this excuse for too long. What have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now listen, timing is important. But his hour is here.
I love that because Mary said they need a miracle. Jesus said, what do you want me to do about it? Mine hour has not yet come. Okay, well, his hour may not have come, but she was like two minutes off. I mean, it's like, he's like, it's not 11.55 yet. It's 11.53. Come back to me at 11.55. Listen, don't give up on believing God for a restoration or a rejuvenation because of you thinking that the timing is not right. Don't get caught up in the excuse of maybe one day, someday, someday down the road, one day long ways off from now. No, no, sir. No, ma'am. The hour may not be exactly on the minute, but it's almost here. You get ready and you do like Mary said. Whatever he says to do, do it. Whatever he says to do, do it. Whatever he says to do, do it. Do it. What if it's something crazy like preach to a valley of dry bones? Do it! But what if it's something crazy like walk around the walls of Jericho seven times in one week and on the seventh time, seven times? Do it! Do it! Do it! What if he says stretch my rod out over a water? Do it! Whatever he says to you to do. Do it! Because God is getting ready to rejuvenate something inside of you. The quickening power of the Holy Ghost is getting ready to restore something inside of you. Uh, hallelujah. She goes and tells the servants, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready. Look at your neighbor say, get ready, get ready. Look at your other neighbor say, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. God is getting ready to do it. God is getting ready to restore something you didn't even know needed restoration. God is getting ready to replenish something you didn't even know you lost. Hallelujah. So many things waiting. But the first of many miracles has to take place when I empty the vessel. I need seven vessels empty, Jesus said. All right, let's go get I don't know what's in these vessels. People put all kinds of stuff in crazy places. This one's got like, you know, safety pins and bobby pins and this is the coin holder vessel. Empty it. Dump it out. Dump it out. This got flour. Dump it out. This has got salt. Dump it out. Get rid of everything that's inside the vessel. Let me tell you something. I don't know what you got inside of you, but empty it out. What do you think we're doing when we say, come to the altar? You think that's just some obligatory thing we do at the end of every service? No, 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 no. You got to understand. We're saying, empty that vessel. Hallelujah. Empty that vessel. All that junk that you have in your soul. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to just tell you how, how I do it. I don't even know what stuff I got in me until I sit down to pray and I say, God, if there's anything in me that's not like you take it away take it away I'm going to tell you something be ready, be prepared 
Because if that thing has got itself wrapped around the inside of you, there's going to be a part of you to come out with it. Take it away. Repent before the Lord. Empty that vessel of the bitterness, of the resentment, of the hate, of the carnality. Empty that vessel. Lay that unforgiveness down. Lay that love of money down. Lay that lust down. Lay that envy down. Lay it down. I'm going to tell you, I can't preach that hard enough. I can't preach that thoroughly enough. I could preach it for the next 45 minutes and I I would not have scratched the surface of how important it is to preach things out of people's spirits, out of people's souls. Uproot it. Get down under. Don't just chop off the bud, the blossom, the stem. Get down into the root of what it was that started this growing in you anyway. Get down deep to places you don't let anybody go. To places you don't like to talk about. Get down deep and uproot that ungodly thing that's trying to defile your spirit hallelujah I need seven empty vessels I don't need people that have it all figured out don't be walking up here full of your stuff if we want God to do miracles in us and we have to give him an empty vessel to work with So all my opinions, I don't care if I got a degree in those opinions. I'm emptying myself of whatever it is that I think. Let me tell you something. Empty yourself of all of it. All the stuff you used to think. All the stuff somebody else told you to think. Get rid of all of it. And come bare before the Lord. And say, God, I need a miracle of restoration. I need a miracle of replenishment. I need a miracle. I need you to do it in my spirit, Lord. You know what the scripture says? It says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to tell you what you need more than anything. You need a time of refreshing that comes only from the presence of the Lord. You need it more than you need anything else. A time of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. And Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. You know what the scripture says about water? It speaks of the washing of water by the word. When you open this word and you read this word and you let the word of God minister to you, ladies and gentlemen, you are being washed, cleansed, purified, praying the word of God. It is washing you, cleansing you, purifying you. Fill the water pots with water. And when they reach the brim, he'll turn it into wine. This will be the first many miracles to come you want to see the blind see you want to see the deaf hear you want to see the dead raised maybe I'm not maybe I'm not touching on things you've specifically asked God for maybe you need to elevate your prayers if all of your prayers were answered in the last week the prayers you prayed in the last week how many people would be saved if all of your prayers were answered the ones you've prayed just just in the past month how many people would be healed? How many people would, would be saved? 
How many people would be delivered from chains of bondage? Maybe we need to be elevating our prayers. Beyond, Lord, keep me safe. We feel real noble because we say, Lord, keep me safe and keep my kids safe. What if God answered all of our prayers? What, 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 what if? What if God was a prayer answering God? I wonder how much more. Can I get down into people's business right now in the name of Jesus? I wonder how much more we would pray if we believed God was a prayer answering God. I wonder, I wonder how much more we would spend time in his presence petitioning the throne of God coming to him with our supplications and our intercessions if we believed what we say we believe I'll tell you what if you believed it you'd be on your face in his presence and I'll tell you what you see in your life miracles signs wonders power wisdom the glory of the Lord You want to know why you don't have that urgency to pray like you used to have that urgency to pray? You've run out of wine. You're over here dancing in the wedding, but there's no wine. You're throwing rice, but there's no wine. You're singing love songs and praise songs, but there's no wine. You need a miracle of restoration. You need a miracle of replenishment. Hallelujah. 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 Before any of those other miracles can happen, this miracle has to happen first. Now, if you've not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, ladies and gentlemen, that's the very first of a multitude of miracles to come your way. Hallelujah. If you say, I don't know that I need to receive the Holy Ghost. Oh, you're wrong. You need to receive the Holy Ghost. Let me remind you, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Holy Ghost shall be in you to lead you and guide you into all truth. Hallelujah. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. That's the wine. That's the wine. And you can't put it in an old wineskin. It's got to be in a new wineskin. It's got to be in an empty vessel. You say, I don't know that I would ever be able to receive the Holy Ghost. I can't imagine myself speaking in other tongues. Oh, don't worry about that. I like what Brother Terry Williams told me about elder in the church, Bishop Sizemore's church. He said, receiving the Holy Ghost is like buying a pair of shoes. He said, when you go buy a pair of shoes, it's got a soul, it's got a tongue. When you go looking for a pair of shoes, you're not looking for tongues, you're looking for the shoes. But when you get the shoes, the tongues will come with it. And that's the way it is with the Holy Ghost. You're not looking for tongues, you're looking for the Holy Ghost. But when the Holy Ghost gets inside of you, the tongues will come with it.
But let me explain to you real quick how this works. It's not hard. It's not, it's not hard. It's, it's, you see it in John chapter 2 when they needed wine. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. This is how receiving the Holy Ghost works. First, you empty the vessel. You repent. Repent. Repent ye therefore. Get it all out of your, get, just tell God, Lord, I turn from my sins and I trust you to give me power to walk away from my sinful living. And you repent from your sins. And then you stand there as an empty vessel and you say, all right, God fill me up with the power of the Holy Ghost the first thing he does is he fills you up with water those vessels are like our soul and the water is like our praise this is why if you're praying in the altar the altar worker will many times encourage you just to praise the Lord get lost in praising God get carried away in praising God just pour effusively your praise upon the Lord and it goes something like this I love you Jesus I praise you Jesus you're worthy Lord you're wonderful God I love you with all my heart I believe you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit I love you and I praise you I worship you you're holy you're wonderful you're righteous and mighty yeah that's what it's like but the whole time you're doing that you're filling the vessel with water so it starts down here. Lord, I love you, and I praise you. I magnify you. I lift up your name. You're wonderful. You're holy. There's nobody like you. No one next to you. No one above you. No one beneath you. You're greater than all things. You alone, high, lifted up the most high. Hey, get ready, because when that water of worship reaches the brim, it's going to change. I said it's going to change. you won't be speaking your native language anymore you'll be speaking in an unknown tongue as God fills you with the Holy Ghost I dare you to do it right now I dare you to do it right now I dare you to lift that praise lift that praise lift that praise unto the Lord Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody that needs it right now. I want you to throw both hands up into the air. I want you to lift your voice in this house and let God do a miracle in you. Come on, let him do the first of many miracles to come inside of you. If you don't yet have the Holy Ghost, ladies and gentlemen, get ready because God wants to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you've had the Holy Ghost for a long time but need replenish, need restoration, need the wine to be restored. God will do it right now. God will do it right now. God will do it right now. Yes, come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. Fill those water pots, fill those water pots with water. Fill those water pots with water. Fill those water pots with praise. Fill those water pots with praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I want somebody that needs a replenishing. I want you to come right now. Come right now. Whatever he says unto you to do, do it. That's it. Whatever he says unto you to do, do it. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. That's it. In the name of Jesus. That's it. In the name of Jesus. Come on. That's it. God's got something for you right now. He wants to restore you right now. He wants to replenish you right now. Come on. That's it. In the name of the Lord. 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 Somebody that wants to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on, come on. That's it, that's it. I need some elders and ministers to come help me pray. In the name of Jesus, God has something for you. God has a miracle for you. God wants to change your life. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Come on, that's it. All across this house. All across this house. Let the power of God move upon you. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you know the need right now. You know the need right now. Bless him. That's it, that's it. 